right. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if you will. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Love having the kids in here so they can see <coughs> adult, adults worshiping God. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, And my people who bear my name humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, <clears throat> excuse me, then I will heal from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. <laughs> now this was a promise, a national promise given to Israel that if they would turn back to God as a nation, that God would heal their land. He would heal their, their nation. He would heal their people. And this was a time when obviously Israel was a theocracy where they followed the law, the Mosaic law, and where God was... Uh, the one that was in charge of Israel. Today, not so much. Today, we, we grab this verse and we try to say that we can save America by praying. But that's not the application of this verse. That doesn't apply to our nation that way. We're not going to save America. America is not going to heaven. America is not God's chosen nation. People are going to heaven. Individuals are going to heaven. God didn't die for America. He died for Americans. God died for Africans. God died for Russians. God died for South Americans. He died for, died for uh, Europeans, Asians, died for everybody. But this verse can be applied in this way. If we as individuals will turn our lives back to God, turn our hearts back to God, turn our minds back to God in prayer and ask for his forgiveness, ask for his blessing on our lives, on our families, on our church, on our finances, on our relationships, on whatever. And then follow him. That part, the, the one part that people like to leave out is seek my face. Seeking the face of God means you follow him. What we just witnessed this morning, uh, it's such, a such an honor uh, to be able to be the one that baptizes people who are taking that first step of of public obedience. Now, many have followed Christ in their lives, but to make that statement publicly through baptism is a big deal. If we are going to claim the promises of 2 Chronicles 7.14, we must live the responsibility of 2 Chronicles 7.14. We've been talking about prayer, been talking about the things that Jesus did in his life, how he managed his personal life, and said one of the biggest things he did was stay connected in prayer, and we as Christians need to stay connected in prayer as well. I gave you a lot of quotes <clears throat> from a lot of good Christian people uh, about prayer and their prayer lives. The, the one that really stuck out to me and the one I want to share this morning before we continue on in this message is by F.B. Meyer. It says, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Remember, God cannot and will not answer your prayers that you never pray. Unless you go to him in prayer, unless you take the time and make the effort and make the sacrifice, yes, the sacrifice of your personal time to go to God in prayer, until you make your issues in your life, your problems, your struggles in your life, a big enough deal to go to God in prayer about, God will not answer your prayer because it's unoffered. You haven't prayed for anything. Why doesn't God answer your prayer? Because you haven't prayed yet. 
So we started talking about prayer and, and what we should pray for because one of the biggest reasons people don't pray is they don't know what to pray for. A lot of times we give lip service to others. Yes, I'll pray for you, but we don't really know how to pray or what to pray or what to go to God in prayer about. So I gave you, started giving you some, some biblical ideas, some biblical suggestions, if you will, of, about what to pray for. First thing we said was praying, we should pray for a gracious and a thankful heart. And we went through talking about why we should do that. The second one was praying for wisdom and direction in life's decisions. Every decision you make, yes, every decision you make in life should be made uh, through prayer, asking God for wisdom and direction. Last night, we, uh, the boys finished up their, their uh, baseball season. seemed like an odyssey, long odyssey of baseball. And they finished their last game, uh, kind of ironic, the, the two Long Meadow, Long Meadow had two teams in this tournament, and they played each other for the placement in, in the, the final game of the tournament, not the championship for fifth and sixth place. And it was two Long Meadow teams that we had to drive up to East Hampton to play the game. <laughs> like, yes, my father was there at the game and, and uh, Gabriel finished the season. His last, last at bat was a, a shot, I mean a shot down the third baseline. And Michael finished with a, a hard shot down the first baseline. What a great way to end the season. But then last night, we, uh, we went to a Yard Goats game down in Hartford. It was Long Meadow days, Long Meadow Little League day at the Yard Goats game. I was exhausted. Because of the rain at the beginning of the week, they had to play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, and then Saturday morning. So we got done. We were finishing up the games at 8.30 at night and then driving back from East Hampton. Then a full day, and, and Friday night we didn't get home until 9.30, and we had to be back there at 9.15 in the morning. So it was exhausting. And I said... God, I really don't want to go to this Yard Goats game. I just, I don't. But we had made a commitment and the boys were excited. And I'll tell you what, I prayed and, and uh, God gave me the strength over something as little as going to a baseball game. And God gave me the desire because I watched my boys. Now, how many of you, you, you didn't get any rain last night at all? How many of you did not get any rain at your house at all? Yeah, just did not get a drop. There was a storm over Hartford, no lie a storm over Hartford for two hours or more. And it literally poured. It rained the game out. Six games in, the rain, the, the sky opened up and it rained and there was a lake on the field. It was amazing. And they, we waited and it rained for an hour and then they canceled the game and then it started up again after that. But I watched Gabriel and Michael just let themselves go and have fun and meet friends and do things and we got to be together as a father and two sons and just had amazing time. You, you, as a parent, you know what that's like when you can spend time with your kids. And I said, God, thank you so much. I'm exhausted. I'm just totally exhausted. But I got to spend some time with my boys and let my sons have a great time. So thank you for answering that prayer, for giving me strength. You see, God's not concerned just about the major issues in your life. He's concerned about the little things as well. Because he wants your life to work together for good in all areas. The third thing we talked about was praying for personal forgiveness. And now today, we come to the next area that I believe that we should pray for. The next request we should make to God is this. We need to pray for inner peace. We need to pray for inner peace. Now, this is an area of life that is completely distorted in the Christian world today. In the world, period. 
but especially in the Christian world, Christians are going to other areas of life first to find inner peace. What has happened? What has happened in the church? What has happened in the, in, in the realm of Christianity that going to God in prayer for peace inside has not become our go-to? It has become our area of last resort. We have allowed the world to teach us that truth is not valuable or important. I was listening to, just happened to be listening to Dr. James Merritt this morning. I put this on Facebook as well. But he made this statement, and I want to read it to you. This is how, the, this is the assault that has been on truth and why truth is such a struggle today. Do you want to know why people feel the way they do and people have the opinions they do and they don't take uh, faith seriously, they don't take the Bible seriously? They don't take much of anything seriously, and they say, that's your truth, and you can find your truth, and you can have your truth. Well, you need to speak your truth, and you need to live your truth. Man, there's only one truth. Truth is truth, okay? How you interpret that, how you live that, and how you accept that in your life is up to you, but there's only one truth. But here's the lie that has been fed to us and that has gotten into Christians and into churches today. I deal with this a lot with Christians. Okay? Atheism denies truth. Agnosticism doubts truth. Humanism degrades truth. Humanism is what is taught in your public schools. If you have kids in public schools, they learn humanism. Okay? Most, philosoph most philosophers of religion or of thought put humanism in the category of a religion, by the way. And humanism is taught throughout schools. It, it's there. Just look at the curriculum. It's, it's all over. Rationalism debates truth. Relativism dilutes truth. And that's where you get your truth. That's your truth. It dilutes truth. There's only one truth. But rationalism dilutes truth and breaks it down. But Jesus says, I am the truth. And if you follow me, I will teach you truth. I will lead you into truth. I will show you truth. I will show you what really matters in life. I will show you what your purpose is. I'll show you what my plan for your life is. And I will lead you in it. Remember last week, shared you shared a verse out of the Old Testament. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's what will happen if you choose to follow God. If you, if you deny everything else, and turn away from everything else and follow him. Life is confusing. Life is difficult. Life is a struggle. I don't want I, I to point her out too much, but Rebecca is a single mom. We have a lot of single moms in our church. That is one of the most difficult jobs in the world, to raise and support and play the role of two parents. Man, to be an individual who does that job for the glory of God and tries to keep themselves and their family in church, that's, that's hero's work right there. That's amazing. Why? Because people that do that believe that Jesus is the truth. Believe what the word of God says. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that by following him, by applying his principles to your life, and by going to him in prayer, he will give you peace inside. What is inner peace? What is it we're talking about when we say pray for inner peace? 
get a definition, I believe I put it in there. Uh, the sense within yourself that all is going to work out, that your storm won't last forever, that there is a purpose behind everything, including pain, and that the madness won't prevail because God is in control. That's inner peace. That is the de that, that's my definition. As, I, as I've read the Bible, as I've studied, and I, as I've prepared for this message, praying about this particular part of life, that is what comes back to me. That is inner peace. That everything you do in life matters. That everything you do in life has a purpose. That even the pain and the struggles and the difficulties that you go through in life have a purpose. Listen, nobody likes difficulties in life. If we were to take a poll, nobody would say, I, I don't think anybody would say, oh yeah, bring on tough times. Bring on financial struggles. Bring on health issues. Bring on marital problems. Bring on difficulties with my children. Our boys are eight. They've learned how to speak. And that's a problem. Seriously, how many of you wish your children were mute at many times in life? Seriously. Hey, kid, shut up. Right? Shut up. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's terrible to say to your child. You don't know my kid. Hey, kid, shut up. I don't want to hear your mouth right now. And Gabriel, my goodness, Gabriel, sweethearted, loving, wonderful Gabriel, I know who you think you are, little man. <laughs> but you're not who you think you are. So you need to just shut up now. I've had to tell Gabriel several times, Gabriel, you need to stop talking right now. Right? Can I get an amen? amen. Right? But Gabriel, every word you say is a shovel in the dirt in the hole that you're digging. Stop talking. But stop. Just stop. Just stop. That's it. Just stop. Even that. Now, I mean, nobody's going to pray to have struggles with your children. But I know that even the struggles that I have with our sons serves a purpose. Did you know that as a father and a mother of two boys that we adopted from foster care who have been through horrible things. Gabriel, having the comfort in life and the courage and the self-esteem to speak up for himself is huge, right? It's a huge step. Because Gabriel and Michael, when they first came to us, wouldn't go to the bathroom without permission. Because in the home they were with, in before us, they were literally beaten for wetting their pants. They were given 12 ounces of liquid a day. So I don't like the fact that my son stands up and speaks with a smart mouth once in a while, especially when he does it to his mother. That's a problem. But I understand that it shows growth. There's a huge positive there. And if I will pray for my son in that matter, 
God will help me and my wife have wisdom to raise them and to do the right things with them. And God will help Gabriel to bring that part of his life under control. Because there's going to come a point in his life where Gabriel needs to speak up for himself. Where Gabriel needs to be assertive. God might call Gabriel to preach. God might call Gabriel to be a missionary. God might call Gabriel to be a leader in some area of life where he's going to need to be assertive. And that's what I want for him. I want that for Michael. I'm glad that I have that in my other children because we need to be able to speak out with, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So inner peace is not the fact that there is no trouble in your life. It's the fact that you know the struggles and the difficulties and the good times all have purpose and meaning in life. That's what we should pray for. Pray for inner peace. <laughs> Pray for understanding that this storm isn't going to last forever. That this trouble is going to have an end. That I will one day be able to look back and say, I get it now. Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4 say, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. For it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Because in the Lord, the Lord himself is an everlasting rock. There is no end to God's wisdom. There is no end to God's love. There is no end to God's grace. There is no end to God's compassion. There is no end to God's instruction. And thank God there is no end to God's patience. Because he will always, always, always bring you back. He will always give you a reset. He will always give you another chance. He will always teach you if you are willing to learn. Amen. But that's what we're, where we need to be. We need to be seekers of these things. <laughs> Excuse me. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19 read, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of of God. <laughs> Inner peace comes from knowing God's love. Inner peace comes from understanding the, the love that it took Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. And inner peace comes from understanding that he has a purpose for everything that goes on in your life. Everywhere he leads you, every step, even when you make a misstep, even when you make a mistake, even when you step out of line, God has a purpose for bring. He can use that for in his purpose to bring you back and to make you stronger. I was talking with uh, someone the other day and, and uh, forget how we got on it, but it was talking about a broken bone and something that I've, I've learned from doctors, I'll take their word for it, that when there's a break in a bone and they set it and put it back together, the body heals and the break is stronger than it was before. The place where the bone was broken is stronger than it was before. That's amazing, isn't it? I think that's an incredible picture that God gives for us that we can apply to our lives. In your walk with him, 
in your marriage that is founded on Jesus Christ, in relationships and friendships within a church or within life that are founded on Jesus Christ and his word. If there's a break, if there's a struggle, if there's a difficulty, if there's a time where things don't go right and there's a break, but you make the effort to, in a godly, Christian, spiritual, biblical way, put things back together, that relationship will be stronger where the break was. It'll be stronger where the break was. You know why? There's a lot of reasons, but one of them is you know that the two people that wanted to get it back together are committed to the same thing. You're committed to the same cause. Listen, I've had enough of people walking out of church, truly. Not just, not, not our church, I'm talking about churches, period. I'm tired of seeing people walk away. So I want to do whatever it takes to heal relationships, to mend struggles. I'm tired of seeing Christian marriages go by the wayside. I'm tired of seeing Christian marriages give up. Marriages, period, but Christian marriages. I'm tired of seeing children from Christian homes walk away from faith. We've lost enough, folks. It's time we start fighting for our faith. It's time we start fighting for our families. It's time we start fighting for our children. It's time we start fighting for our marriages, folks. It's time we start fighting for each other within our church because we're stronger together. I feel like I'm leading a cheer. We're stronger together than we are apart. And just because there's a break does not mean it's over. We can come back and be stronger where the break was. How do you know that? You pursue understanding the love of Jesus Christ. A love that was, get a little, get a little theological here, a love that was sacrificial enough to die. A love that was self-effacing enough to die. A love that did not put its own desire first, but was willing to put the needs of others and the need of the collective group of humanity before his own. That's something to think about. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus just breaks it down for us. He says, I have told you these things so that, you in, so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. It's up on the screen. You will have suffering in this world. You will that's not a suggestion. That's not a maybe. That's not a might. You will have suffering in this world. How many of you, um, oh, there's a, the, the name just um, slipped, my head, slipped my mind. It's a, a, a Christian martyrs group. And they have a, a website and a newsletter they send out through email. And they talk about what other Christians are going through in this world. And did you know that every month, Christians are, are killed for their faith around this world. Christians in this world, hey, listen, we get upset because of little things here. People don't like what we say and say something nasty to us on Facebook. These people are having their churches and their homes burned to the ground. They're having their children taken away. There is one young girl, uh, I believe she was 12 or 13 years old, was taken from her family because her family was a family of faith. 
and she was given to a Muslim man who was in his 40s to be his third wife. And after the marriage was consummated, she was forced to embrace Muslim, the, the Muslim faith. And she finally escaped and was able to get away. But what goes on in this world with people who claim the same faith that you do is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. But Jesus promised us that in this world, you're going to have struggles. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty. I'm going to tell you right now, as this church continues to grow, you're going to have people come in here that are not your cup of sunshine and that you're not theirs. And you are going to have to work through some personality differences. There may be somebody from your neighborhood or somebody that you went to high school with. I've heard this a lot lately. People co connecting with others that they went to high school with in church. Imagine if you were the kid that was picked on in school. Imagine if the bully showed up to church after accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. Think about that one. How would you treat the bully that berated and degraded you in school? How are you going to do that? How are you going to handle that? We'll get, to, we'll get to the prayer here a little bit about that. But how are you going to handle that situation? You're going to work through it? You're going to work through it? Or are you going to hold on to the hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the anger? You see, humanly speaking, you may think you have the right to do that. But in God's economy, you don't. And you, do, you need to let that pain go. And you need to allow him to heal your heart. You need to pray for inner peace. The next thing we need to pray for is a submissive will. Pray for a submissive will. Very difficult. Very difficult to be willing to lay down your rights to follow the plan of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by a submissive will? It's the freely made choice on your part to follow the teaching of the Bible and the leadership of the Holy Spirit to do what is right and to serve God's plan for your life, including being an active part of a local church. Including being an active part of a local church. Well, they're not going to use me the way I feel that my gifts. I took a spiritual gifts test one time. And my spiritual gifts are not in the area of ministry that they, uh, they want to use me. Let me tell you, let me, let me just, a spiritual gifts test, they're, they're fine. If you want to take them, I, we don't do them here. You can do them on your own. That's fine. You can go online and do a spiritual gifts test. Let me tell you something, man. Spiritual gifts tests are not in the Bible. <laughs> you're not going to sit down and, and do, fill out a questionnaire in the Bible and boom, it's going to show you what your spiritual gift is. You know how you find those things? By getting involved in ministry, by serving. Sometimes you find what your spiritual gift isn't by failing in ministry, by getting involved and not having a, not having a burning desire to do what you've been asked to do. But you keep doing it. You keep getting involved. You keep pushing forward until the opportunity opens up for God to use you 
because you have shown that you have a submissive will to follow his leadership and the leadership in the church. I've told you before, those of you who have been here for a while, when I first went out to Seminole Baptist in Springfield, Missouri, went out to, to finish my education. We moved out there, and uh, <laughs> I was a Bible college student. That city is full of Bible college students. I had been a staff pastor before. I had preached. When my pastor left the church, when my pastor would be on vacation, I was the one that filled the pulpit. I wasn't just some somebody as a preacher as a staff pastor don't you know who I am I said what can I do I'm thinking this guy we gotta have him we got, I was a youth pastor man we gotta have him in a youth ministry oh we, we gotta we got to put him into college ministry. He's going to school with college kids. He's been a pastor before. Yeah. You know what they, what they did with me? Nursery. <laughs> nursery. As God is my witness. They put me in the nursery. And once again, Jose, that's when I can ask the question, do you know who I am? <laughs> Have you seen me with children? My goodness. It's like the uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Seen that character, the child catcher? Children. Goes around with a net and a, a cart with a cage on it. That's me, yeah, I'll just lock them up. But you know what? I said, okay. And I got involved and worked in that, in the nursery for about three months. And then I was paroled. And <laughs> then, then they, then they asked me to start a single adults ministry, which was just amazing. But I firmly believe, had I not been willing to do whatever they offered, to get involved, to show to God and to that church leadership that I had a submissive will to do whatever was needed to see that church grow and to see people come to Christ. Man, do you realize, do you realize how valuable a nursery is? How many of you moms with infants know how valuable, or you've had children, how many of you know how valuable a nursery or a children's ministry is to you? To you. My goodness. I love having our children in here for some worship time, but not for the whole service. That's not practical. I know that kids are not going to listen to what I have to say for very long. They don't have that long of an attention span. Whatever there is to do in a church ministry is valuable to the overall success. Therefore, you need to have a submissive will to follow God's plan for your life within the framework of a local church. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Do not rely on your own understanding. But I think, but I know, but this is me, but I know me. No, no, no. God wants to peel away that shell. God wants to peel away that outward exte outward, outer exterior, and he wants to get to the heart of you. He wants to dig into you and reveal, but I know who I am. No, no, you're still learning the journey of life. The beauty of the journey of life is that it's lifelong. You're always, always learning. 
The creative process that God has placed in our lives is one that is amazing and that will continue until the day that he calls you home. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pray for a submissive will. Quickly, we need to pray to overcome temptation. Not so quickly. We're going to stop right there. Because we've got three more points and they're, they're important. They really are. So we'll finish this up next week. Sorry, I threw a curveball at my tech team there. <laughs> Folks, listen. We're digging in. We're digging in because we need to dig in. We need to understand why prayer is so valuable and vital in our lives. We need to understand why we need to pray and what we need to pray for. And I would challenge you this week as you, um, as you spend time in prayer, as you look at your life, as you look at where your life is going and what you're doing and why you're here, at new life. Ask God for that inner peace that only he can give you. Stop looking everywhere else. Stop reading, stop following the clickbait on, on the internet to find the answers to, to the, the peace that you need. All they're going to do is put spam in your email, right? Stop believing the lie that Satan has put out there, that there are other ways to find peace in your life as a believer and understand that Jesus is the, he's not just the author, he is truth. Truth emanates from Jesus. If you want to find inner peace, you find it by knowing that he's the truth and letting the truth set you free. And then spend some time praying. The summertime is a perfect time because uh, you've got extra time for, more, for most people uh, you've got some time to relax and, and do different things. But I challenge you, we really start gearing up here again uh, in September. Uh, the month of August is kind of a, a catch-your-breath month after everything that's been going on. And we still have church, still do everything else. But we really start putting things, once you go back to school and everything, start praying. Spend the month of August praying and asking God to give you a submissive will to break down whatever it is in your life that has kept you from truly getting involved here at New Life. Going beyond what it is that you want to do and what you're willing to do and ask him to give you a willing spirit to get involved in doing what he wants you to do. Because man, that is when you will find his plan for your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just a wonderful service, God. Just a wonderful time. Lord, we, we baptized a couple today, and that's just awesome. Lord, we had some phenomenal worship. Worship that just went beyond the exterior, God. For me, I know it was a time where my heart was just open to you. 
God, you, you just spoke to me this morning and I met with you. I thank you for that. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we're not hearing much of that outside of the church today. And it can be very difficult to discern what truth is unless we focus on you. Father, I pray that we will have a desire to dig into your word for our lives and pray. Lord, would you teach us to seek you and to find inner peace in you. And teach us, Father, to pray for a submissive will. God, I believe you have big plans for this church. You're fulfilling them now, and you have big plans for the future. God, I pray that you'll show each and every one of us where we fit in and give us that submissive will and that willing heart to be ready, willing, and able to get involved where you'd have us to be. Bless us as we go from here, God, as we live out this week. Open up the door. Lord, we have some big challenges coming up. Help us to face them. Father, there are people that need to hear about you. Would you give us courage to speak? Place before us the open door that you want us to walk through. May we honor you. May we be worshipers of you in our lives and our deeds. It's in your name we pray. Amen.